Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Spurs Show is brought to you by Duke and the team at the Cricketers Inn in Mepham near Gravesend. Whilst you're there, you have to try their award-winning fish and chips and enjoy it with a pint of Watney's Pale Ale. There he is, Theo Delaney. Right, and then we've done... um, We've been doing these for quite some time now. And we've kind of had most of the players that we've wanted. With these two, it's been quite difficult because Garth has always said, oh, my BBC contract means I can't do many of these. So it's been quite tough getting him. Steve, you know, lives in Spain. So it's sort of tough getting him. So it's, I'm, I'm really chuffed that finally... And we're going to get them... Um, in end to last season, May, then obviously we had the Champions League and we'd like, wasn't quite the end of the season. So it's great to finally get them. So let's please welcome to the stage, firstly, 189 games for Spurs, 78 goals between 1980 and 1984. We certainly took more care of him. Please welcome Mr. Steve Archibald. Yeah. greatest football song for any player because no one else has had that song it's not the same old song anyway anyway. and then secondly and a man we 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 put this podcast out last week he did the last one eight years ago it's been that long 218 games for spurs 75 goals for tottenham between 1980 and 1985 please welcome back to the spurs show mr garth crooks
Thank you. Can we get something straight before we start? I do not want to hear that song again tonight, all right? He's had it, he's heard it, that is it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, look, thank you so much for both coming along tonight. It's wonderful to have you reunited. Um, you've done a couple of these sort of things before, but not in central London. They've been That's outside right. London? Yeah, outside London. Yeah. There you are. So thank you so much for joining us. We've got various questions about your career, both questions after, and, you know, answer as long or short as you want it. It, sure. it, it really doesn't matter. Um, Steve, we're going to start with you. Um, you started your career actually in midfield, uh, Clyde, where you went there in 1974, and then you went on to Aberdeen. Is that a mistake? And uh, no, well then Billy McNeil signed you at midfield. Aberdeen. Yeah, he started in midfield. You have to run in midfield. Yeah. <laughs> he made jogging art. And Come on, you, you're, you're a broadcaster. Use the microphone. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hold on a minute. That's better. <clears throat> right. Okay. There we are. Um, and then, obviously, the following season, Alex Ferguson took over, and you won the Scottish title. Um, remind listeners uh, at home and here, some of the great players who were in that Aberdeen side with you under Ferguson, because it was quite a side. Yeah, it was, um, it, was, uh, it was similar, really, to Spurs, because we came together at a time where... Uh, the team was good, but we were maybe Aberdeen were lacking maybe a, a goal scorer or two or a goal or two to really make an impression in, in the league. And um, the, the players of that time, uh, luckily enough for me, was there was a striker. His name was Joe Harper. He, in fact, he came down here to England to play. Played for Everton for a time, but he was a fantastic striker. And he took me under his wing on the pitch, which was really important because I was just a kid starting out. And uh, it made my life much easier. Uh, so we had him. We had Alec McLeish, who's the ex-Scotland manager and manager of clubs here in England and uh, won 100 caps for Scotland. Willie Miller, the same. Uh, player in midfield, John McMaster, Ian Scanlon, the wing. So we had a really pretty complete team. We had a good goalkeeper as well, Bobby Clark, top goalkeeper. And um, and we just and we were lucky also, which is really important because you need to be lucky with injuries. We didn't have a lot of injuries through the season, um, and we went on through that season to win the title. It was the first title for Aberdeen in 25 years, so it was a magnificent experience. And, and something similar happened when when we got to Spurs. So it was, it was a great occasion. And what was Ferguson like? Did he? Did you? Could you tell he was a great man in the making? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Really, I really couldn't tell he was a great man in the making, no. <laughs> because he came from a place in Glasgow called Govan, yeah, and he had, he had just come from a team called St Mirren, so there was nothing about him that, that suggested he was a great man in the making. Um, but I remember his first day in training. Um, he, uh, we were on the pitch training. It's his first day as a manager. All the press were there. We were actually on the pitch, Aberdeen pitch, and we we're doing a little little uh, thing called it's called boxes you get five against two and two people in the middle and um, and and that was working okay it was just a sort of presentation for him to the press on that day and there was one guy who was just on the touchline he was calling him he was shouting Fergie and and the manager never turned around he kept Fergie never turned around and he kept going Fergie 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 and then all of a sudden Fergie stopped everything and he called the guy onto 
just onto the pitch a little bit. He said, do you know me? He said, well, no. I'm a, he said, do you know me? Are we, are we acquainted? He said, no. He says, well, don't fucking call me Fergie. My name's Mr. <laughs> Ferguson. And that was the first indication of his greatness. Right. Wow. <laughs> he, must be, he must be quite young then, Steve, as well. How old, how old was Ferguson when he was manager there, Aberdeen? How old was Fergie? Yeah. No idea. How old is he now? No, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty young for a manager, I'd imagine. But, I mean, the amazing thing is, you only turned professional in 1978 because you stayed on as a mechanic at the Rolls-Royce factory. Did you think at that stage that you thought... Did you think you could make it as a pro? Is that why you were like sort of held back? There was, was indications of greatness at that time. Well, no, you know. not really. <laughs> it but was it's quite unusual because you, <laughs> when you joined Spurs, you'd only been a pro for like two years. So I mean, yeah. it was quite unusual for a player. Yeah. Well, I, I was. Uh, it wasn't Rolls Royce uh, factory. It was Rolls Royce cars. It wasn't right. like Rolls Royce airplane engines. It was Rolls Royce and Bentley, and so I, I served my apprenticeship as a as a mechanic uh, from sixteen to twenty. And then um, at the age of 20, I said to my friend in the, in the garage, let's go and start our own garage, which we did. And we got one of these service stations and um, with a, a hoist and everything. And we thought we were fantastic. And, and we started off our own business. But then three months later, I'd been playing for Clyde at that time. And uh, three months later, I got a call from Aberdeen and they wanted me to, to go there, which I did. And, and that was the end of the garage. So I left my mate there and... I've never heard of him since. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Is that true? I promise you it's really? a true story. Really? Yes. He's never contacted you. Oh. Remember me? Oh. <laughs> he didn't know how to get me. Well, don't ever do this is your life and ever bring it back. They'll, they'll wheel him out, probably. You know. But I mean, that's, I mean, two years of professional and then, then all of a sudden now you're moving to London. How did you end up at White Hart Lane? Well, it was strange because at that time, Terry Venables was an up-and-coming manager who's managing uh, Queen's Park Rangers, was it, Crookshank? Yeah. Yeah, he was managing Queen's Park Rangers at that time. And they'd come in for me at the same time as Spurs. And, uh, but they were the up-and-coming team. Venables was the up-and-coming manager. And my thoughts were to, to, truth be told, were to go to Queen's Park Rangers because I didn't know any better. And... Uh, <laughs> There was a, a friend of mine who played in, in the Aberdeen team, a guy called Ian Scanlon. And uh, Scan had been playing for Notts County, so he obviously knew the, the English scene much better than I did. And he was in my ear every single day, go to Spurs, go to Spurs. And I used to pick him up in the morning as well, you've got to go to Spurs, 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 constantly. So in the end, uh, I, I went to Spurs. And really and truthfully, it was uh, for his um, incessant... incessant <laughs> Uh, advice on a daily basis to go to Spurs, that's why I'm here, so I've got a lot to thank Scan for. Wow, that's amazing. Ah, we're all very grateful to him. But Garth, you, you already known to English football fans because obviously you, you'd replaced in the Stoke team Ian Moores, who we all remember the chant, Ian Moores never scores, I think was the chant, <laughs> chant at Spurs. You, you'd replaced him... Also in a very, very good... I mean, we talk about Aberdeen side. In a very, very good Stoke City side that just won promotion, had they, before you came to Tottenham? Uh, yeah, no, Ian was playing in those days with, with really good players, internationals. You might remember uh, Jimmy Greenoff, who went to Manchester United. Alan Hudson had a spell with us for two years. He was unplayable for those two years. Mm. Uh, Terry Conroy, John Mahoney, both internationals for Wales and Ireland. Um, 
Mickey Pedgick, England's national, mm. and of course Peter Shilton. So it was a hell of a team. As a kid, I came through, and, 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 and Morsey had just started to play there when Spurs came along and got a big move. And then when, when you both came to Spurs, well, you wouldn't have known this at the time, but us Spurs fans, I don't remember, we, we'd, we'd certainly struggled up front with Ian Moores, Colin Lee, Armstrong... Chris Jones. Jones. Chris Jones, who ended up at Man City. And then, obviously, uh, after the 78 World Cup, Aussie and Wiki came, which was, you know, Spurs shook the world, was the headline. I mean, it was unbelievable. And as well as, in fairness, Graham Robertson and Paul mm-hmm. Miller... You two were the final part of that jigsaw, and everyone talks about, you've talked about on the show before, about Birkinshaw and assembling that jigsaw. We all know you started off unbelievably in that first season, but pre-season, you, you, you didn't click, did you? Struggled. We, we struggled very much. And um, I, I was, I was I, I'd, I'd come across Steve because we played against each other at international level, the under-21s, and... Um, I scored, he didn't. <laughs> Is it going to be like this all night? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, so I, I knew he could play. Um, and when I when I came to Spurs to sign, the first thing I said to Chris uh, uh, Keith Burkishaw when he asked me to sign, I said, "How much is Archibald on first? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Too much." Uh, and you won't be earning that. How, how much? How much are you paying him? He says, "No, we can't afford you to pay that much, I'm afraid." <laughs> so we we I, I don't know if you remember the game at South End. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a it was a difficult few games. Those preseason games, we were sort of bedding in and trying to sort of get a, an understanding. I don't know what Steve thought, but at the time I thought. We're already getting touches of the ball here. The whole thing's been dominated in midfield. The, our, our dealers and Hoddle were passing the ball whenever they wanted to because they were so good, they, they could do that. Yeah. And uh, it would go from Hoddle to our dealers, from our dealers to Via, back to somebody else. And we, we'd be looking at each other. And we might get a chance here and there. And that went on for about four or five games in the, in the pre-season. Um, to be fair to Steve, I don't know how... how much Steve remembers this, but I remember him saying to me on at least two occasions before our first um, first game, "This can't go on. You know, this is this is a joke. We're not getting any service. We're not getting any service." He was all he was then and still is and was at the time the senior partner here. So when I was a bit sort of, I thought, "Well, he's a bit brave." I mean, these they are, they've just there's two World Cup winners there, and there's Glenn Hoddle, the most gifted player in the country. I mean, I'm not going to tell them that they're hogging the ball. Um, and, and, and he said, well, well, I am. I said, well, hang on a sec. <laughs> we, we've just arrived. Could you just, give, just give me the, a, a, few more, a few more games. But it got to a stage where the attention was actually being focused on us. People are saying, we're well, not scoring goals. Um, we all know now what a great goal scorer he was and is. Um, but at the time, uh, he was getting very frustrated. Uh, and I remember there was a game at Chesant, the training ground. It was thick in mud. We hadn't, I think we'd drawn another preseason game. We hadn't scored, and he was he was getting angry. And I thought this is this is going to end this is going to end badly. <laughs> Before Paul's kicked to the so first right, division, we, had, we hadn't we hadn't played a first team game yet. Um, so I said, "Don't worry. I've got, I've, I just, just want to try something." Stay right up as far as, as you can on the Batman. Stay, 
And the next time the ball comes from me, it comes from Glenn or from Ozzy, I'm not going to put it back. I'm going to pull it around the corner for you. I'm going to turn and we will play on from there. So he said, all right. So it comes in from Glenn. Normally I just give it Glenn back and we spin and we go. I didn't. I popped it around the corner. He gets it. I join on. We play one, two, and he's in on goal. Shot. So I sort of said, well done, try that again. It happens a second time, and the second time, Glenn turns to Birkinshaw and says, what are they doing? (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? Yes. (laughs) So I look at Birkinshaw, and Birkinshaw, to his eternal credit, says, let him play on, keep it going. And that was the beginning of the partnership. That's amazing when you it's think about it. It's fascinating. You know, that... Well, what's fascinating is, as we've just said, we've, they've been playing. These are three of the best midfielders, certainly uh, well, two of the very best in the world in Hoddle and Ardiles. And they've been playing without forwards who are even remotely comparable to them in terms of ability. So they've they basically been playing, ignoring the forward line. It, 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 <laughs> and suddenly they've got a forward line, but it never, they got into this rut. But why it worked was that once he got anywhere near the box... Yeah. It either finished with a shot and the keeper having to save. Yeah. Having to save. No doubt. De- Always wasn't hitting the target. Back. Yeah. So once, once that ball entered in and around the box, he was going to get shot in. Yeah. Well, that had never happened before. So once they saw it, presumably, they quickly cottoned on. Birkenshaw saw that something was happening here. Yeah. yeah. And then the players bought into it, right? Then, then Hoddle and Ardini think, hang on. They're, they're actually... It, it took a couple of games, yeah, but yeah. When, they, when he started, he was scoring goals. We started, yeah. to, we started to fire. I scored, I scored in my opening game at Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, and then we went to Crystal Palace. Uh, he scored, he, we both scored in that game. Yeah. Suddenly, we're scoring goals. And now, what you were talking about earlier, mm. where you had strikers who weren't scoring goals, we had two strikers now who... Look like yeah. they were going to score lots they of goals. They could score. They were potent. Yeah. You and said, you come with big, big transfer fees as well. I mean, yeah. really big. I mean, eight hundred thousand. You'd only been a pro for two years, and eight hundred thousand is a huge fee at that time. And six hundred and fifty or something like that. I mean, it still wrangles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but two massive fees. That's like now buying a, a fifty million and a forty million pound striker yeah. in the same yeah. yeah. And there were so you, two of the hottest properties available at the time. But yeah, yeah and yet yeah, interestingly, if you're hot it means nothing until they've actually seen it and they almost had to be forced to see it but once they did see it that was the beginning of it wasn't it yeah. that was I don't know about Steve I, yeah. perhaps he'll, he'll be able to say for himself but I, I had to change my game quite dramatically right um, but because Steve was you know a real finisher in every sense of the word um, and he was the furthest up the field he was the cane of the side if you like the yeah. cane figure um, he could sort of you know centralise himself always up top and really, the job was to get the ball in and around the, 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 the box for him to finish. Yeah. And so you, you became a part of that. I became... With Hoddle and Ardino's, right? Sort of, right? sort of Deli Alley figure. Yeah, sort of that, yeah the second striker, yeah. 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 But I mean, again... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true that we started to score goals, but... Crooksy um, shouldn't put himself down like that. He was a massive part of any success we had, mm. um, not just on the pitch, but on the training pitch, which is absolutely vital. And between him and I talking, sorting out, thrashing it out, and sorting the midfield players out, he was a massive part of all of that. And he could finish, and he was pacey. 
I mean, mm. Steve, that, that season, absolutely yeah. right. Your, Steve, your first season in England, 25 goals in your debut season, joint top scorer in the league. Uh, it's incredible. Garth, just behind on 22 goals. That first season... Still league, rankles. Yes, yeah, still rankles. <laughs> three goals. Never got over it. Any... I mean, cast your mind back. You mentioned Forest, the Palace game. Yeah. I think Vince Hilaire got suds and obviously yep. 4-3 yep, that game. Right. Mm-hmm. Any other games stand out to both of you that first season? I can't remember. No, I can't. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. That was a long time ago. It's all a blur. That's why I asked. Don't <laughs> sticks mm. out. Beat Brighton, um, I think, early in that season. Yeah. Mark Lawrenson played and uh, I know Mark. He was a top player and destined for bigger things. Of course, he went to Liverpool, but we beat them at Whitehall, I think, 3-1. And that was, I think he, he went to Liverpool the following season. But yeah. that was, I think, in the, the first three or four games um, yeah. when I arrived at Tottenham. Mm. Um, I remember that game. I mean, we finished, in the league, we finished 10th that season. But obviously, first season just arrived, yeah. the FA Cup. We had, I mean, fun enough, tonight, we, we, just before we arrived, we'd had the live draw. We've got Middlesbrough in the uh, third round away. Um, that season, up until the semi-final that season first season we had quite a easy run on paper in the competition we hadn't won the FA Cup since 1967 which then for Tottenham was a long long time any memories of any of the games before the big two games against Wolves and Man City that stick out was it I mean how big trying to tell my younger listener how big was the FA Cup then I mean now it's sort of you know. Yeah, the, the FA Cup was was massive back then, and and um, because you got on television and stuff, and they followed yeah. you around by camera, and the, and the television and the press made it big. So we all believed it, and we bought into it, you guys as well as us, and and we loved it. It was a fantastic competition, um, and it was a cup competition, so it's something that you could really look at. A league competition is something different; it's a long process, and it's a different mentality. But cup competition was something that we could really get our teeth into, and and whether we, Crooksy and I, or us as a team, thought that maybe we were a fraction short of winning a league. We certainly thought we could win a cup, so we were really into it in a big way. And those those games, Garth. Obviously, we remember the the first semi the first semi final against Wolves at Hillsborough, which now, in hindsight, mm. with the whole awful um, Hillsborough '96, and I know many many Spurs fans here when that Lepping Lane stands. There was a lot of yeah. stuff going on. Off the pitch. On the pitch, Steve, you scored early on in that game. We were 2-1 up. Then there was the, the famous Kenny Hip. I mean, there, there was VAR now, it wouldn't be given, but then it was Kenny Hip. Clive Thomas, the man the Clive Thomas, yeah, Clive Thomas, who did um, one of the World Cup games for Scotland, but he blew the whistle as the ball was coming in. Yeah, was it in the Brazil. Game? Brazil. Brazil game? Brazil mm. yeah. What was it like in the dressing room when you, you've sort of thought you've won and, and got done and... You've got to replay now. What, well, was, what was the belief in the team? It was, it, was a, it was a memorable occasion for all the reasons that you've said. And I remember coming on in those days, you'd go on the, the pitch and now before the kickoff, suited and booted as we did. I remember saying to Steve, I mean, all the Spurs fans were in that, in that end. They were all there. And the atmosphere was amazing. But I remember saying to him, having all those fans in there, look at that. And it was like a sea of people. The atmosphere was electric. And I, I don't. I sometimes think that fans don't understand the impact they have on players. And I remember walking out on that, that pitch and thinking, we can't lose this semi-final. Mm. Look at that lot. Mm. 
and uh, it was it was a magnificent occasion. Okay, Clive Thomas robs in the end, but I remember I remember going into the dressing room and asking a question, I'm feeling a million dollars, an absolute million dollars, because you could you could feel that energy coming from the fans. It was it was an extraordinary occasion for me. Yeah, absolutely the same. It was, uh, it was an amazing day, and and to get a goal was fantastic. And but like Crooksy said, the, the atmosphere was incredible. And but for me personally, I never doubted that we'd go on and win the win the through to the uh, to the next stage. It was it was it was just written and it was just written I just believed it I, I knew my team I knew the partner I had beside me I knew we could score goals so if we could just be a little bit more solid at the back then we would uh, we'd go through I, I never ever doubted it we, occasionally we, we'd have a lot of fun at the at, at end games kick off times we'd, we'd say you know he, if he was two goals ahead of me I'd say yeah uh, uh, it's my day today, or something <laughs> silly like that, and, and it would fire, we'd fire each other up. Mm. Um, uh, but what happened just a couple of days earlier? And if you remember, we were training. Glenn Hoddle was taking free kicks, and Glenn had this 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 extraordinary little sort of routine. He'd he'd place the ball, he'd turn the ball around. It's like a nervous sort of you know the old, ma- the old Minerva ball, yes, wasn't it? Minerva ball. And he and he he placed the ball sort of you know conveniently for him in a plicky way, and he and he he tap his his his, the, 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 his toe onto the ground, mm. you know, and he'd go through this routine. And in training, he he he, he was he'd, he'd line everything up the wall, and he kept on going as though he was going to put the ball in the keeper's left hand corner. And he put it in the right-hand corner way before people. You hear Ponta saying, "Oh, he give the goalkeeper the eyes." Well, Glenn was doing that twenty years before any player even thought of that. Mm. And he'd go there and he put the ball over there. And we were all sort of thinking, "He says to me, he'll never do that in the semi-final." <laughs> <laughs> of course, we get a free kick at Hillsborough, right on the D, where he's been, where we've been, he's been training for the last couple of days. And he says to me, "We're in the world." He say. He'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he, he does this kick, and I think it's Parks in goal. And Parks, yes. I think, takes a step one yes. way, and he puts us in the, the, the other corner. And that was, that was the genius of Glenn. Glenn could transfer what he did in training onto the big stage. Mm. And, that's, and that's what great players could do. Mm. And he, he could do the same. Do you think you two had this sort of camaraderie, these kind of conversations, because you were both at school, both new boys, and both arrived at the same time? Do you think that's why you sort of got on well and sort of had this competition between you because you were both literally arrived at the same time? Well, you talk about the relationship we had, we, you know, and we had a fantastic relationship on and off the pitch. Um, but it, it, it didn't happen by magic. It was hard work every single day. And he'll tell you, hard work. We played little overs where, where the, whether I was going first or he was going first, the first man would step over the ball, leave it to the second man who would play him through again. And But we worked that day in, day out, day in, day out, until it became a natural thing. So what you saw on the pitch that seemed natural wasn't natural. It yeah. was really hard work. Cause a lot it of, became natural. A lot of people think with strikers, they click and they have a telepathy and it's a rapport and they use words like that. But what you're saying is it's entirely manufactured out of dedication and you, you're deciding that that's what you need to do and, that, and you yeah. make it happen. We, we knew what we had to do. We knew we had to be a, uh, to score goals for this club to have success. We had to score goals. And, and there was no way... Uh, 
a midfield player, you can have the best midfield player in the world, but midfield player's not going to score the goals. Midfield player doesn't dictate to me as a striker to make a run. I dictate to the midfield player. It's just great that I've got a midfield that can deliver it. Yeah. It's the strikers that make the difference. That's just a fact of life. Yeah. I'm, I'm laughing. Because you, you know, as you talk, you, things come to you. And I, and I remember, I, I, I occasionally, I tend to overplay a little bit. Right. <laughs> and I sort of go deeper and deeper. And um, we hadn't been there that long. We've been a couple of games. We've got a few goals. And he, he, he'd say to me, hey, hey, you, you, get <laughs> fucking up. And I'd love to buy No, but it's, it's, it's true. If, you, if you're a partnership and you work it in training, what's the point if he's going to wave back? Yeah. There's just no point to it, right? So he's I mean, got to take it onto the pitch and work it on the pitch. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, back up here. But it's obvious you did, although it, although it all comes from hard work and, and planning and, and uh, practice and, and working it all out, but you obviously were able to, you did it, there was an element of you hitting it off in terms of communication. And, right? and I've also got to say, this fellow, had, he, had, he, had, he had a lot of balls. He yeah. had a lot of courage. Yeah. I remember um, Keith Birkinshaw saying in the dressing room before one game, um, right, this is we're defending this corner. I want you here. You're marking here. Crooksy, I was always, for some reason, I had to block the biggest one on the pitch. But anyway, <laughs> he said, oh, and Archie, I want you back in the box defending. He, he went, you are? <laughs> <laughs> he, says, he said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I said, I fucking score goals. I'm sitting up there. You don't get me <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm listening to this. Now, I'd never, ever come across before that before in yeah. all my yeah. life. And yeah. I'd played with some... You know, as a kid, I'd seen Jeff Hurst, Jimmy yeah. Green. I'd never seen that before. But he had the courage of his conviction. Yeah. He knew what he was good at. Yeah. And that no one was going to detract him from what he could do. Yeah. And, he did, and he did as well as anybody. Yeah. That, um, going on to that FA Cup replay, probably... Most people here, one of the most iconic games in our history. Unbelievable that the FA deemed it pretty reasonable to make the replay literally down the road at Highbury, where we had three quarters of the pitch, probably more, because even the Wolves away end wasn't that full. And we remember Andy Gray was their big striker. Do you yes, remember he had a big was. permed, Andy big before mm. hair then? Just gone to Wolves. And he it's just gone to Wolves, hadn't he? And he was injured. And we all went up to Highbury, just like, what, are we always out? And you kind of went, we're going to do it. I mean, it was for atmosphere. I mean, it must be unbelievable to, to play in front of a game where it, it, it's, a, it's an FA Cup semi-final, but it's literally... You're essentially you, at home. It's essentially at home. Well, yeah. the same thing that I think happens to, to fans, and I was a football fan, um, when you see on the team sheets a certain player isn't playing you go oh we've got a chance here and it was the same for us when we knew Gray was injured we knew we had a great chance of clinching this game I mean Andy being injured was no big deal I mean if Andy hadn't got six stitches in the game, he had a bad game. Yeah, he was, he was that sort injured. of player, yeah. wasn't he? So, yeah. so, so he, he, he was, a, 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 you know, just yeah. what he, he did. Yeah. Um, but on that particular occasion, if I play well, he's having a stinker. And if he's playing well, I'm having a stinker. Yeah. That's how it seemed to work. Yeah. But we'd always pull one through, pull yeah. one another through. Yeah. Um, and, and that helped enormously. That was one of those games. I... I, I could have had a hat trick in the semi final of the FA Cup, you know. And well, I gave it to right him. He did, and he, he did the right thing. And he blew it. <laughs> he blew it. I 
cunt, I laid it on a plate. <laughs> it's, it's true, he laid it on a plate, and Ball's coming out. He says he lays it on a plate, but the, the weight of the pass was... Oh, I don't believe it! I don't believe it! I'm giving you the truth. The weight of the pass, which is all important for a striker, was shit. It, it came across bobbling, bobbling, but it's like I had to wait a month for the ball to get there. It was bouncing, 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 hard pitch, that high rate, fucking, come on. And I missed it. Okay, I missed it, but his pass was crap. We, we, we've got to talk about the, 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 the second goal, which I think for most fans here is one of the greatest goals we ever saw in, in that side. And you've, you've obviously talked earlier about Glenn Hoddle. Everything about that goal, even on TV, you watch it back on YouTube, the commentary. It's Motsin, wasn't it? It was Motsin, the commentary that, that game. Um, the pass was incredible. and knew the pace just after burners on going between... I think it's George Berry and someone else. I'm trying to do the thing. And just the way the ball set up as you struck it, it just set up aesthetically. It was like just such a wonderful goal. Wasn't oh, it? you're saying it was a fluke? <laughs> <laughs> Scuffed it. <laughs> well, I didn't hit it with my right foot after all. Um, you're, you're right. Um, Glenn was this extraordinary talent. And we'd often use a sort of laugh. You know, look, did you see where he put that ball? Did you see where he put that ball? Um, and and sometimes he would say, Crooksy, if you're not far, if you're not ready, that ball goes. You need to be ready for that because that could come at any stage. And he could. He had that ability. So you always had to be ready that if he got the ball, he could spin, turn on a sixpence on either side, and play a forward pass, and you'd be in. Mm. And if you weren't ready, you'd get scolded. Mm. And he was always like, "You've got to be ready for that ball." Mm. And on that occasion, fortunately, I was. You certainly were. Uh, for those of you at home now, we're going to go to a very short break. The Spurs Show is brought to you by Duke and the team at the Cricketers Inn in Mepham near Gravesend. Whilst you're there, you have to try their award-winning fish and chips and enjoy it with a pint of Watney's Pale Ale. And we're back. There we are. It's the magic of podcasts. We haven't, we haven't gone anywhere. Um, right. I mean, I know you've, you've, you do a few of these events. and You talked about this game for a long time. But the, the first game in the final, Manchester City, um, the 100th FA Cup final, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 100th FA Cup final. I mean, we didn't play very well on that first game because Man City were in the league below us. It was quite a journeyman team, Jerry Gow, certain players. They didn't have... Tommy they had Reeves. Yeah, they were, like, being around and some... Um, Reeves was quite a young player. Yeah. Yeah. The, Steve Paul, McKenzie. Paul Power had been around yeah. for a while as well. Yeah. Full back. We, we all kind of showed up on that Saturday, like, well, the way we... Especially after that Wolves game, this is in the bag. Yeah. And, and let's face it, we were very lucky to, to get away with that game with the draw. When we... After the game, just speed forward, we'll go back to the game... But after the game, we had a reception, and Bill Nicholson gave us a roasting. Really? Uh, yeah, he did, yeah. He gave us an absolute roasting. And Keith Birkinshaw didn't interfere. And, and I never heard Bill Nicholson get involved at all. We'd say, hello, Mr. Nicholson. How are you, Mr. Nicholson? And he would never get involved. What was he doing at the club then? He was sort of a bit of scouting and... Yeah, he was. Um, and he was sort of a... a sort of a Ambassador yeah. stroke state, elder statesman, if you like. Um, so, did he, he got you together as a group? 
Well, he came in and we're all on a table together. Right. And there were other the, people in the room. Yeah, and he roasted us. In front of everyone. Roasted us. Really? Wow. Wow. And, uh, and we sort of knew that he was right. We knew we got away with it. Yeah. And um, it was a turning point for us. And, of course, on the Monday we, we came in and there was a, a suggestion that that Ricky might miss the replay. Mm. And there was, a, there was a big discussion amongst the players and went, that can't happen. No, we can't do that, Keith. He said, that would be a mistake. Mm. And, of course, thank God he didn't. But, mm. you know, that, that we, we knew that day we started badly mm. and we, we, we couldn't get yeah. where we needed to get yeah. to win the game. And, for, fortunately, luck was on our side. And when yeah. you, I mean, again, on YouTube, whatever, watch it back... You look at that equaliser, it's such a bizarre equaliser, the fact that Hutchison... I've never seen since a player run out of a wall, just like a crab almost, along, and just turn his body. I mean, it was just an utterly bizarre... What was was sort of said after the game? You mentioned that it was Monday. The the, the replay was the Thursday, wasn't it? It was the Thursday night. What was kind of said amongst the players? Well, there's one more quirky moment. You mentioned Tommy Hutchinson going from one side of the wall to the other and he came off his shoulder in the back of the net. There was a moment before that goal went in where it was obvious that the game was, the game was going away from us. We, we, we were struggling. Yeah. And we were, we, were, we were trying to dig in and change the game a little bit. And I remember I caught Hutchinson a couple of times, deliberately... It was a bit naughty, but just desperately trying to change yeah, make something the way happen. things... Yeah, yeah, change something. And I caught Hutchinson, the referee gave a foul, and he stopped, and I caught him two or three times. And he was quite rightly irritated, and he said, what's the, what's the big deal? He said, uh, if your name's on the cup, it's on the cup. If it's yours, it's yours. Wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. Really, really quirky thing to yeah. say. Yeah. Weird. But if you look at the FA Cup and the history of the FA Cup, it's full of stories like that. Yeah. Quirky moments. That there's something rather weird about the yeah. whole strand in that. It's that almost like he asked for it. What, what happened? It was really weird. He, you know, he said, relax. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if your name's on the cup, yeah. it's on the cup. Because, yeah. you know, as I said before, we, it'd been so long since we'd been there, 67. A whole generation, including myself, had, had not seen Tottenham yeah. in an FA I, Cup yeah. final. That was an incredible thing. Yeah. But there was something about that Thursday... The kind of dignitaries, the, the FA who give out various tickets to FA organisations. Mm. There's a lot of Spurs there. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, what was kind of the feed? I mean, well, the first goal, you turned, shot, Colin blocked it, it fell to Via. It just seemed from the first minute we were just up for it. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, I think we were, and, and as it turns out, especially Ricky. So, um, you know, we were. Uh, in, in, the t- in the team throughout the season, we had a, a pretty strong mentality. We had a pretty, pretty strong belief in ourselves as well. And it's a cup final. We'd made an arse of the, the, the first game. Second game comes along. So you're l- that little bit more focused. We've got all our fans here. We've got the, we've got the strength. We feel the force. And, and we just go at it and, and, and put everything we have into that final. And that's what we did. And we, we got the rewards. I mean, the incredible thing as well, we still well. <laughs> typical Spurs we still found ourselves 2-1 down there was the brilliant um, Steve McKenzie Steve, Bolly. Steve yeah. McKenzie and then the, the greatest the, the, goal that was the, was the greatest forgotten goal in yeah, any yeah, FA Cup right. yeah. absolutely yeah. right no that's mine my well I don't know second greatest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously 2 ones down well let's talk about that because again obviously we're going to keep going back to Glenn Hoddle because to many people here the greatest player we ever watched 
at, at Tottenham Hotspur. The ball we played over, if you watch it again, mm. you both make that run, mm. and it's almost like where the ball bounces. You were both kind of in. Oh, where it was Maine. <laughs> <laughs> he hates this. He hates this. And I controlled it, and I was going to, and he just came in and took my glory. No, no, you miscontrolled it. <laughs> I set it on a plate, just ready to go again, and he just steams in like Billy Big it. Bollocks and takes my glory. <laughs> All these years, it was, it was hilarious because I get the goal right. So I'm there, so we game with two two. We got equalised, and go, then he's off to God knows where and have to drag him back. <laughs> we go back to the centre circle. Do you remember? We go back to the centre circle. And of course, in those days at Wembley, they had those electric scoreboards. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. So uh, for some reason, I've got the scoreboard, and it's got two two, Crocs. My name. My name's there. I turned yeah. to Steve, I said, yeah. and, I used to, and, I, and for some reason, <laughs> I used yeah, to always, I wonder what I the always take was. the mickey out of him about <laughs> having my name in lights. <laughs> <laughs> and for a mad moment, in the, semi, in the replay of the FA Cup final, I took him, look at the lights, I said, told you, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> he did, he did. It's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> What was your memories? Sorry, I, sorry oh. I just got to say, I'm really happy it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back After all these years, I'll say it now. <laughs> what was your memories in the game then, with, with obviously the, 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 the famous Ricky goal, uh, I think it was Roberts won the tackle, Galvin back. Obviously, you famously were literally willing the ball in. <laughs> you, you, you kicked it, didn't yeah. you? Air kicked it. I wasn't aware of it. It was it's some years. Is that later, amazing? Yeah. It was. It was. It was brought to my attention. I yeah. had no idea I was doing that. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. And what was it like? Where, where did you go once you lifted the cup? Where, can you remember? Where, where did you go party-wise? Was there an official thing? Where did you want to end up? Do you remember? I lost three days of my life somewhere. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't like you're annoying one league yeah, game no, still no, to play. No, no, that was at least, least three days. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, you know. Then, then obviously the, the following season to, to, to many fans and probably yourselves was almost kind of better, really. We won the FA Cup again. Five minutes, we're talking about becoming the League Cup winners. Mm. Cup winners, Cup semi-finalists, and we finished fourth in the league. Let's start looking at Europe this season. Probably the first time... Had you played in Europe before for Aberdeen? No, you probably hadn't, because you get to Spurs. You played in any European competitions yeah. before? Yeah. Oh, you had that. So you had that experience. Yeah. Obviously, these were the days before BT Sports and every team being seen. Thursday nights. Thursday nights, if you're Arsenal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was there any memories of going travelling you're, you're travelling with you know men the same age Holland Germany these teams any sort of memories you could store anecdotes you could tell us about travelling away who, who, I mean who were you sort of room sharing them is it really a real double act or like no not sharing no, with you no, no. no who did you share with he didn't no, he didn't he really? didn't no yes I did miserable bastard <laughs> <laughs> no sometimes Sometimes it just depended who was travelling. Somebody might have been injured. I don't think I had a regular partner at that time. It just changed in, in games. And there is a memory, but I'm sorry, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? It's not a football memory. <laughs> and it's about him, so he wouldn't be very pleased if I told it. 
Fair enough. The, um, in that European competition, our memories, that bar, well, obviously you ended up there, but that Barcelona semi-final, the first leg, was certainly for fans watching the dirtiest game of football we have ever witnessed. And I know we've had, sitting on the stage, we've had Greece, we've had Malu, we've had talking about games in was it Bucharest, games, yeah. previous games in the 60s. So some of them remember that. But this was, for anyone who remembers it at that age, what was it like as players? I mean, it was an utterly filthy game at the lane, wasn't it? Well, I was, I was in awe of Barcelona. I remember Alan Simonson was um, regarded as one of the best players in the world. Mm. This great club, you know, this man had the, the, the privilege of going to play f- for them. But it was, a, it was always a great club. Um, I was just pretty uh, astounded that it descended into that sort of game. And, and uh, what really destroyed us, I remember going to the new camp and Keith Birkinshaw saying to us, I want, no, I want no aggression. We go out and play football. And I thought we lost the game then and there. Really? You think you'd have been better off going out and resuming hostilities? I, I felt... If, if, you're, if you're going to win a game... Uh, the best teams, if you if they want to play, you play and outplay them. If you want to fight, you fight them. You 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 you've you've got to take them on on their terms. Yeah, that's how I, that's what I believe, and I've always I, I've always addressed my football games in that manner. Right, and what I mean in the second game, they they were less physical. No, they they, they were less physical because we were less physical. Right, okay. Do you so, remember that game, Stephen? You remember that that yeah. game? Cause it was yeah, I remember it clearly. And, and we started the game well, and I think in the first 15 or 20 minutes we were doing really well. I got the ball in the box, pulled down, clear, 100% penalty, didn't get it. Didn't get it. Um, and then, but we were really, we were, we were flying on that night. So, in hindsight, and then knowing the, the club, as I know it now, I would disagree with Crooks, I think that Keith called, was the right call to play football. Because we played football on that night for the first 20 minutes, we were flying. And then... I don't know if any of you guys were there, but the, the lights went out. And it killed the game stone dead for us when we were flying. Lights went out for 15, 10, 15 minutes. So then we calmed down, we got cold, it just changed the game completely. And knowing the club now, I've got to suspect that it they was somebody it, pulled they? the plug. Yeah. 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 Well, knowing Barcelona, because you subsequently played there, you knew they were capable of that skullduggery. Back then, it was a possibility, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because the biggest clubs in the world will, will do... Anything they need to. Whatever they really need to yeah, do to, to win, yeah. which is... It's, that's a professional game. Yeah. We still had that season, the FA Cup run. There was Arsenal, third round, you scored against Pat Jennings through his legs. Yeah. Uh, we played Leeds. The standout game, probably that season, uh, that cup run before the final, was, was Chelsea. Uh, Stamford Bridge, 3-2. Uh, we've had Glenn on this stage a couple of times. The, 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 the coach got stuck. You, you got to the game late. You had to change, change in the coach. Did you remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, was, that was one of his... We won 3-1, one, right? 3-2. 3-2. Mickey yeah. Hazard. A goal down. Mickey yeah. Hazard. You yeah. scored yeah. that game as yeah, well. Uh, I thought we were flying at, at that particular time of the season. I, we felt unbeatable. Yeah. And I think Chelsea went ahead. Mickey Fillery, was it? They scored a goal. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, what a cheek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. Um, we were playing so well. And of course, then Glenn and Mickey were just sensational yeah, together, that night. Yeah. 
Um, Archie scored a cracking goal, and um, we went up. We went on to go to to win the cup again. But it's, it was for some strange reason that was that was a, a, a pivotal game, really. Because I think Chelsea fancied themselves. Yeah, they thought they could. They thought they could. They could turn us over. Yeah, we showed a lot of grit that day. Yeah. yeah. Did you? I'm just thinking about Chelsea there, and, and mentioned Arsenal there. As players, do you feel the rivalry, rivalry with certain teams that the fans do? Do you get that with, with you're playing against other professionals, you're probably friends with some of them. Do you feel when you go out from the fans, you talked about certain games and well, you felt it at Hillsborough. Mm-hmm. Do you feel certain games like, we've got to fucking turn it into that? Well, I did with Arsenal. I, feel, I, I, always, I always did with Arsenal. Um, You, 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 you know, you just, you, I, I think it, again, it, it transfers itself from the fans, and and you, you just get to know the history, and it's important to the fans. It becomes just as important to you, even better if you can score. And of course, if you lose, it hurts just as much. Sometimes fans think that, you know, it doesn't mean as much to the players as it does to them. In, 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 in it does. It really does. Would you agree with that, Steve? Yeah, I think that. Um Certainly with Arsenal, Crooks, he's talking about Arsenal. Yes! Arsenal. <laughs> we're, uh, I think we got an Arsenal fan in. <laughs> we, we, got, we certainly got the message. And, and obviously I'm, I came from Scotland and, and, and uh, so um, uh, I wasn't used to the, the English scene. But you got the message and the, the build-up to that game, not just the day before it, but maybe a week before it and it's built up it's Arsenal we've never beaten Arsenal we've never scored against Pat for since he's gone to Arsenal and so it was a big build up build up build up so we certainly felt it felt the pressure not not a pressure we just felt that it just came into us that we, we've got to win this game we've got to beat the Arsenal and, and in our time the majority of times I think we did yeah. 99% of the time so yeah. it was a good time for us against Arsenal it was a long season that obviously we had the two games against QPR but in the League Cup that season we hadn't conceded a goal throughout the entire tournament we played Liverpool probably well probably the best team that season in the league we went a goal up after three minutes you scored a, a great goal and we held on held on until 87th minute yeah. was it Ronnie was yeah. it Whelan Ronnie Whelan Whelan wasn't it yeah, Whelan. Whelan. Was, yeah. Ozzy gave the ball away. Yeah, Ozzy gave the ball yeah. away. I mean, he was very tired. It was, it, was it was the first time Tottenham had lost at Wembley. Mm. I mean, and then but my point was, we then we had a really good run in in the league, but we ended up because of all these games, having to play eight games in May. Yeah. Yeah, Do you yeah. think that's what literally did us for not? maybe getting the title that when we could have possibly got it that season? No, I don't think it had anything to do with the amount of games we played and I, well, certainly from my point of view I didn't feel it. It was just a, a lax on the day and we, we didn't uh, um, we weren't as professional as maybe as we should have been on the day in, that, in a certain moment and it cost us I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have blamed it on anything else apart from that, it was our fault and we, we lost the cup and, but it really hurt us badly uh, it would have been a fantastic uh, a cup to win we would have had four cups in in four years and, and it still sticks in my gut that mm. we didn't win it it's interesting what you just said about the big clubs will do anything to win and over the years I don't know if other clubs feel like that but as Tottenham fans you often feel that Spurs haven't been pragmatic or ruthless enough or you just use the word about being professional you're winning in a cup final there's just a matter of a few minutes to go should you have been time-wasting and booting the ball up the other end and taking it into the corner and things like that that 
you know, you might argue isn't the Tottenham way, and that over the years Tottenham haven't done that enough. Do you think that might have been part of it? Well, certainly on that night, we shouldn't have lost the, the ball where we lost it, and yeah. and then when we lost it, we should have been organised quickly enough to 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 put up a proper. Um, defence it all happens in flash but yeah. we should have still been aware that it was going to happen and, and be mm-hmm. and be really on our toes in the last seconds of the game it's, it, there's no no one else's fault except ours I don't disagree with anything that Steve has said but there was one moment in that game if, I'm, if it's the right game I'm thinking about Galvin was put out of the game Galvin was roasting Galvin was roasting Phil, uh, for Neil yeah and soon as put him out. Soon as spotted it and thought, right, he needs to be eliminated. Well, and and, and I, I've got to say, I'm a great admirer of Sunas and the great admirer of that Liverpool side. Yeah, but they were ruthless, ruthless and professional. Like and, you say, the and, biggest, and, most, and, the and big I think, trophy. I, I, think, I, I think that's the one thing that we lacked. For, yeah, for, if, for the, if the result would have been the reverse in that moment, Liverpool wouldn't have lost it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know what? And and there's a cultural thing about Tottenham. I don't know if this is right or not, but I think we think about it, about ourselves that we've always had that. Been lacked that one last bit. It's almost as if we've been crying out for a manager who's bloody-minded, pragmatic, <laughs> nasty bastard who will do anything to win. Funny you should say that. Yeah. Funny you should say that. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, let's let's move on now. The, the following season, eighty-two, eighty-three, we finished fourth again, and from January we only lost four games in twenty-one matches. Standout performance that season. You mentioned the arse before the Woolwich. The 5 0 win against Arsenal at home. Um, that season, though, early on, you, you fell out with the manager and missed five games. You came back, yeah. You came and there was the Watford game, the famous hold goal. You came on and scored for the sub bench. What, what, what went on between you and, and the manager? You fought out with the manager on a weekly basis. <laughs> well, it was so bad, Hourly. he didn't play you for five games. Yeah. What happened? There was like an injury that was against Birmingham, I think, from memory. It was what? Was it, I think it was against Birmingham. You got injured and... Was that a hamstring thing? No, no I think I, I injured and... Uh, yeah, Birmingham... Uh, was it Birmingham? I can't remember. Whoever it was. Uh, no, in fact, it was Coventry. I do remember. Oh, Glenn chipped right. a little ball through. Edge of the box. I've gone in fast. Keepers come out. And my knees hit his knee. And I thought I'd broken my knee. I just giving way. I couldn't stand. And, um, and we'd used the subs or something. And, and I just couldn't stand and I said I've got to come off he said now you stay on I said I've got to come off he said stay on so I stayed tried to stay on he said play it here in the wide area so I went out to the wide area and when the ball come up I just tried to try to stand and put pressure on that that leg to just normal stand it was just giving way I said I'm coming off and so after that game he came out in the press and, and called me a cheat and uh, that's something I couldn't allow so that's why we fell out I mean did it You've obviously seen it probably doing these, these do's subsequently. Did it cloud things between you and him for quite a while, in hindsight? Yeah, it's still closed. Oh, it doesn't still, really? <laughs> All these years I've, off, really? I've, I've, I've got to tell you the story. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is it? Is it 34? Is it 30? I don't know, maybe. 35 years yeah. later. So we get, we, we're very kindly invited by the club to the great Spurs finale. It's wonderful. Yeah. We're very proud. We go along and Steve comes away from Barcelona. We're sitting with the tables with our wives and our girlfriends and everything else. And Keith comes over and Steve and I are talking with Mickey Hazard. And Keith comes over, speaks to us and is... And it's always been a bit frosty between uh, Keith and Steve because Steve was never afraid to speak his mind. He told Steve, uh, Keith exactly what he felt. <laughs> 
And invariably, Steve would often get his own way because he was, he was either off and right or he was scoring too many goals for him to say anything else. Mm. So, so 35 years later, Keith comes over and says, how are you? He says, fine. Uh, Garth Mickey says, yeah, fine. He said, uh, he says, I've, uh, says, I've never quite understood why you came off that day. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. 35 years. I said, I said, I said, Keith, that was 35 years ago. He ignores that and says to Steve, why'd you come off? Wow. I said, Keith, you're asking, you're asking about something you did 35 years ago. I can't remember what I did yesterday, let alone 35 years ago. So they, they start now having a route in the middle of the room about what happened 35 years ago. He's, he's trying to dismiss it and be sort of very pragmatic and charming about it. He's come all the way to this wonderful event. Keith wants a row about it 35 years later. Mickey, Mickey Hazard now says, Oh, Keith, forget that. He said, You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like he's still in the dressing room. <laughs> Keith didn't say, You shut up. He said, Mickey, fuck off. Swear to God, that was his exact words. <laughs> See, he always put Keith away. Always put Keith away. It's amazing. Uh, The following season, 82-84, we've only finished eight, but again, your most prolific season, 21 goals, Steve, in the league alone. You, tell us the story, even the time, it was like, what? You ended up at Man United that season on loan. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, it it was bizarre, because as... They, they bought, Spurs had bought Alan Brazil, and he had come to replace me. I think you had left by this time? No. You still, no, still, still, still there? Still there, yeah. Um, he, he just said I scored 21 goals in the season. How could I have left? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. From Barcelona. <laughs> so, so um, at the time, United have got a, a, a crisis. Uh, Norman Whiteside's injured. Um, they've got a, a number of their strikers injured. Uh, Mark Hughes is, is not even on the scale at the moment. So they asked me, would I go down? I said, yeah, I'm not in the, I can't get in the side here. Alan's in the, in the, in the, in the team. Uh, he seems to be doing okay. So I go to Old Trafford. Um, at the time, their team was Bailey, Duxbury, Alberston, Moses, Robson, Wilkins, Arthur Graham, Stapleton, and Arnold Muren. Arnold Muren. Wasn't a bad team. Mm. So um, I'm, I can only play in the league games. I can't be in the cup. They won't cup tie me, and I can't play in Europe just in case. It's a loan. Mm. If they want to sign me, then yes, but they, they just, it's just a loan period. And I just want to play football. I want to get back playing again. Yeah. Uh, and it's an extraordinary club, um, very different from Tottenham, very different culturally from Tottenham, very intense. Mm. And if you don't hit the floor running, if you don't, you know, in the first couple of games start scoring goals, you know about it at Old Trafford if you're a striker. So I have enormous respect and regard for the likes of Marcus Rashford. Martial is going to find it very difficult. As Lukaku, who was scoring goals and still found it very difficult. If you're a striker at Old Trafford, it's very, very tough. Um, Looking back, I'd have liked a little bit more time, but there was this prestigious talent called Mark Hughes in the wings. And I played, I was saying to a colleague of mine, Jerry, who's in the audience earlier, um, that I played a a reserve game prior to a first-team game. We were going to go away to Ipswich. Um, We we needed to win at Ipswich to go top of the table. 
I play in the reserve against Leeds, and this kid is just sensational. He can't get the ball off him. He sets me a hat-trick up. Mm-hmm. So I go uh, in, in the dressing room after the game. Brian Robson was watching the game. It says, try and save your, your hat-tricks for the first team, Crooks, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really... The, Mark Hughes, this, this yeah. kid is sensational. I turned to him and I said, what am I doing here? That's, that's the future. Right. And I was, I was on my way back to, uh, to Waitot Lane a month later. Right. But we actually went to, on the Saturday, we went to Ipswich and we won 2 0 away at Ipswich and went top of the table and Spurs were third. Wow. And that was a real surreal, that was surreal for me. Yeah. I wasn't quite. That's I so quite well, I mean, imagine that, that now. You, you loan your, one of your top <laughs> guys to one of your, you're both in the top three in the league. I mean, it was just so, such a, even then it must have been bizarre. It was. Yeah, it it was. doesn't really finish there because suddenly if I come back to Spurs and start playing for Spurs and, yeah. Alan, and Alan Brazil goes to Manchester United and signs. Of course, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Alan, and Alan find it very, very difficult. Yeah. It, it's a difficult, if you're a striker, you've, you've really got to be on, on top of your game to survive there. Yeah. But it was weird that season because the Tottenham team, we obviously reached that edge of the season, the UEFA Cup final, and we were decimated with injury. Again, yeah. from the final, from memory again, we were out Clements, because obviously yeah. Clements, Hoddle, Perriman, Ardiles on the bench, Brazil, Perriman. Everyone was everyone was out. Yeah. You know, you were on the bench. On the bench. Yeah, you were yeah. on the bench. Yeah, yeah. What was your memories of that, that game? And again, it was an extraordinary game. Talking about, you know, the second leg particularly. You're at White Hart Lane. It's all Spurs. We've got a goal down. You're playing with a lot of reserve team players. Yeah, yeah. But we had some good reserve team players. Mickey mm. Hazard played in that in yeah. that night, and he he was a is a magnificent was a magnificent talent and. Uh, so I didn't have any any fears of it, um, and we had a lot of ball, a lot of ball in the middle of the park, in position to make the pass. And I think it got offside three thousand times in the in the first half. They played brilliantly well defensively. Olsen played, didn't he? Olsen, Olsen. Uh, was central, their central defender. He was a sweeper, fantastic, fantastic player. Um, but I, I, although we had players, I didn't have I didn't have a fear. We were playing at home. Uh, I knew the opposition, and I, I just wanted one chance. I only wanted one chance. If I got one chance in the game, then I would have scored. I just, uh, it was just, I knew it, but I didn't get the chance. Partly because of my fault, I was getting caught offside. I was too keen, so keen to get it. They pushed up. They defended brilliantly well. Maybe if Glenn would have been, would have lent a, a different ambience to the to the game if it had been playing, and maybe my movement would have been a little bit different. But um, but I didn't doubt we would. Um, uh, we would get through. Uh, when it went to penalties, it was uh, a little bit um, a bit dicey. No, it was, yeah, well, it was penalties are penalties. Are penalties but yeah. um, you put, you put your of, one away. Yeah, I'd have preferred to finish it on the night, and um, but it was uh, it was a great night for for everyone, and we oh, in yeah. the end we got through it pen, on the penalties. Yeah. That, yeah. Then at that season, obviously, you've mentioned Keith Perkinshaw there, the thirty-five year old story. Keith left that season famously if you believe it or not there used to be a football club there yep. you you left and joined Terry Venables who you mentioned earlier um, <laughs> nearly joined him at, at, at QPR um, were you looking to leave Tottenham at the time was that fallout you mentioned with Keith part of that did you know he was leaving or what, what happened there no I had absolutely no idea that Keith was leaving and, and I never wanted to leave the club um, my contract was up and I was I went in to negotiate a new contract with a new chairman at that time, I sure remember a guy called Irving Scholar. 
and um, and I went to speak to Irving about the new contract, and he says something very strange, and I thought, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, I don't know if I said it, but I certainly thought it. <laughs> he said, uh, oh yeah, he said, yeah, you're the guy that comes in every time the season finishes looking for more money. I don't know where he got that story. I can only imagine that he got that story from, from Keith. It goes back. There's a bit of history attached to this. When I, when I signed for, for Spurs from Aberdeen, uh, I was negotiating my contract, and, and um, they said, uh, Keith was saying that, yeah, but you've got to score goals, and, and he made me an offer. I said, yeah, but I want more. He said, um, yeah, but you're unproven in English football. I said, well, okay, how many goals do I need to score? He said, well, you've got to score 20. I said, okay, I'll score 20. He said, um, yeah, but you've not done it yet. I said, okay, well, let's put this in the clause. If I scored 20 goals or more, you're double the offer that, that you're making to me right now. And he said, yeah, okay. And that was the deal we made. So in the first season, I scored 25 goals, and I went in to see Keith. I said, I'm here to negotiate a new contract, Keith. He said, I don't remember that. I said, you don't remember that? I said, that was the biggest part of our conversation. How can you not remember that? He said, no, I don't remember that. He said, well, we'll have to wait and see. So I bypassed Keith, and I went to Arthur Richardson, I said, Mr. Richard, who was the chairman at the time, I said, Mr. Richardson, you remember we had the conversation that if I scored more than 20, 20 goals or more, you'd double my contract? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, can we get it done? He said, yeah, sure. And so from that moment on, Keith and I were, that's, that's what happened. But if Keith would have kept his word in that first instance, then there would have been no problem. And then that would have led, that, that wouldn't have led to what Irving Scholar said to me in the last season. You're the guy that comes in for more money after every season. So um, I certainly never wanted to leave Spurs. And I remember all I was asking for was a 10 grand a year rise on my current salary at that time. That's all I wanted. Nothing else, nothing spectacular. And, um, and it all fell away from there. And then, then Terry came in, Scholar wanted the money, and, and the rest is, is history. But that was a, how it all happened. So, of course, in those days, even though you're the end of your contract, it, there's no Bosman. They no, still no get Bosman. a massive. They still get yeah. a massive fee for you, right? Yeah, no Bosman. They get a big fee, and yeah. that's what Scholar wanted. He came into the club with a different idea, I think, um, more business idea. I don't think he, he, he felt the club for for what it really was and didn't understand it. And if he did, he would certainly never have spoken to me, who was top goal scorer at that time. I think I just finished the season scoring 33 goals. So he, it's a bit strange you you provoke someone like that yeah. um, for the sake of ten grand. Was it unusual? Was it unusual that you were going in and having these negotiations and driving these bargains and having these conversations yourself rather than an agent? No, because I, I, I didn't want anything to complicate anything. I wanted to stay at Spurs. Spurs no, but I mean, I mean, were you unusual in that respect? Would other players have had agents doing all that for them? In well, I, I know that Glenn had uh, an agent. Uh, I don't know if Crooks had an agent. It wasn't really big at that time. Okay. Some players had agents. I didn't. Yeah. I thought I could uh, do it on my own and it would yeah. save a, a middleman and there'd be yeah, no yeah. communication problem and so I did it. Yeah. You, you obviously went to Barcelona, Tave Animals, won the La Liga in the first season. What was it like? I mean, we talked about Barcelona and that game with Adam Seamerson the season before. What was it like culturally that time going to Spain, learning the language, playing in a you know, completely different setup? Looking back, what, what was it like? Was it was it easy or quite difficult? I, I remember the, the the first day I got I got to the airport and 
and Maradona was coming out we were just passing each other in the airport it was a bit strange he was coming out I was coming in so I go out the, uh, the door and the sliding doors at the, uh, at the airport the door slide open there must have been a thousand press people there and, and it was back in time when flashing cameras were flashing it was just lucky I had sunglasses on I would have been like a rabbit in the headlights I was petrified anyway into the car big, big limousine to take me to the stadium go to the stadium long drawn out process with um, and it, uh, on, on the signing we got to a stage where uh, Peter Day who was the secretary of the club at that time and Scholar were negotiating and, and, and Terry was there and, and the Barcelona people were there and it was stalemate and so um, the vice president of the club said to me he said do you want to, to sign for this club I said yeah he said well the president's going to come in in a minute he's going to ask you the same question and just say yes I do he, he said he doesn't speak he doesn't speak English but you just say yes I do to him so and it was amazing the president comes in at that time he's a little guy Jose Luis Nunez comes up with a coat over his shoulders bodyguards either side walks straight up to me he said and he'd practice it do you want to sign I said yes I do he said okay and three seconds later the deal was done and it was it was an amazing experience and then I'm taken away to a hotel in the limousine again not to the stadium in the limousine deal's done in the stadium I'm thinking fantastic stadium limousine and we um, finished a press conference and I came out and then the other the four vice, vice presidents at Barcelona the other vice president got me to take me to my hotel and went out the back door into a little Fiat <laughs> it's all been a sham was, and then I really got scared but it was a, it was a fantastic uh, experience the, the cultural thing was uh, was great um, to understand a new language and, and a new football and and um, and it really the football really is different. It's um, it's, a, it's a different line because football. People ask about how did you how did you communicate? Well, in English football, British football, any football, it's it, the language is body language on on a pitch. You only need two or three words, n- not much more. It's all, language is all body language. So that was how I did it. Uh, it was nice to be in the sunshine. Um, so it made training easier. And I adapted immediately, and and I think our first, yeah, our first game was uh, when we won the league was away to Real Madrid, and uh, again Terry, who's a fantastic man, fantastic manager. Our first game in the league because it was a big conspiracy. Barcelona can't win the league because Madrid have got all controlled and it's all fixed. First game comes out, Barcelona away to Real Madrid, so the press have all gone crazy. Conspiracy is going again, but Terry flips it on his head on its head and said fantastic what a great game for us and builds up the game he said these games are games to win I'd love to play in this if I was a player this is the game I'd love to play in and he flipped the whole thing then suddenly we go to Madrid and and we beat Madrid 3-0 away from home and that was the start of our 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 season and we didn't lose the lead from that first game and we won the league with I think four games still to go so it's a magnificent experience football experience personal experience with people the language everything else just it was a wonderful thing and when we won the league there was um, a million people in the streets and for you guys that have been to Barcelona you'll know that coming from the airport into town takes about 15-20 minutes it took us six hours people were just on the motorway it was just incredible and uh, it was a, a real experience, yeah. That's amazing. And obviously you came back to Scotland a bit, but you ended up there. Do you kind of... Well, obviously it's your home. You're there. I mean, sort of... 
You've opened a business. What, what do you do there now in, in Spain? You've been there a long if, time now. If we ask that question, I'll tell you if you look at the Barcelona thing because. No, don't. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, don't go on, please. Because <laughs> Steve rings me because uh, he's he says um, uh, your agent. Uh, I said yeah, what about him? He said um, could he uh, could he do a deal for me? I said uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, what's the deal? He said uh, I'm going to Barcelona. I said you what? He said I'm going to Barcelona. Would your man do the deal? I said I'll ask him. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know what he's going to say. He says, what do you think? I said, I said well, yeah, I think he'll do the deal. <laughs> so my agent yeah, meets right. Ian Wright, um, uh, meets Steve, goes, absolutely delighted to do the deal for Steve, goes to Steve and, of course, the rest he tells you. But I think it's probably a year later, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm keen to go and see Steve play for Barcelona, so I'm going to visit him. Um, I think, would I be fair, I, I'm not sure my teammates were very pleased about the fact that I was going to Barcelona to see Steve, who was doing extremely well. Mm. Just wanted to sort of, you know, I want to see the environment. I wanted to have a sense of the pressures. Mm. Uh, I'd been at United, I played at Spurs, but this was a different league. Um, and I wanted to get a sense of how he was coping with all of that. Mm. Uh, I'd never seen anything quite like it. Mm. Um, when I arrived, um, we went and he, he bought a brand new car that day. Stopped off, said, I've just got to pop into this showroom and comes out with a whacking great Mercedes. <laughs> and we're driving around town and he couldn't go anywhere. He, could, he literally couldn't go anywhere. Mm. Anybody stopped him in the street, anybody saw him in the street, they would stop him in the street. Yeah. And there was a big commotion. I'm saying, how are you coping with this? This is outrageous. I've never mm. seen anything like it. But that was the sort of um, intensity mm. that Barcelona players were under. But to see it so close from someone that I'd, I'd worked with and, and, and knew and understood was quite interesting. But he, he had to come to terms with it. And boy, did he do that because they'd won the league and they hadn't done that for a lot of for yeah. many, many years. Yeah. And just, there's a little anecdote in there as well. Going back to the the story with Keith in doubling the salary, I tried that one with Barcelona as well. And Ian Ian Wright, the Crooks' man, uh, was looking after him, and we had we were in final discussions, and and uh, it was with the vice president of the club, guy called Juan Gaspar, who owned all the hotels, a lot of hotels in Barcelona, and an intimate friend of mine now. And um, I said to him, he said, uh, "Yeah, but the salary." I said, "Yeah, but I want more." He said, well, you, 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 okay, you can do it in England, but you can't do it here. I said, well, what do I have to do? He said, you have to score 20 goals. I swear to, <laughs> swear to God. I swear to God. I said, okay, if I score 20 goals or more, will you, will you double my salary? <laughs> and he thought this because... When Terry wanted me to come, nobody knew me from Spain. We were unknown. There's no, there's no press coverage, no nothing. And, and Terry wasn't known, so he, Terry was under a lot of pressure for bringing me because he wanted a guy called Hugo Sanchez, who, yeah. who was a fantastic striker, yeah. Mexican. Yeah. Um, and in fact, when I was signing, he was upstairs in the hotel because the club really wanted him. So he's, the, the vice president said, yeah, sure. He didn't think I was going to score 20 goals. So I scored 20 goals. And I went into him and said, well, Juan, I scored 20 goals. He said, Okay, and that was the difference. He paid the money. Wow. Amazing. And then, 
that followed the same kind of season, Garth. You've now come back to Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, the final season. Yep. Went on a great scoring spree. Nine goals in 12 games mm-hmm. from December under Peter Shreve. Yeah. We actually finished third that season. Yeah. He scored some very important goals against West Ham. Yeah. Arsenal, Liverpool at home. Yeah. One game most of us remember, but obviously the, the, the famous game at Anfield, where we hadn't won there since 1912, the year the Titanic had gone yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, I think 1912. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a curious relationship with, with Liverpool because they, yeah. were, they were dominating the scene. Mm. They, were, they were tough, they were ruthless. I mean, even... We'd done a couple of tours with them. It was very difficult to make friends with them. It's such a tight unit, a tight camp. Yeah. And when we went to Anfield, we 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 weren't we weren't really we didn't like them very much. And you know, you were talking about Spurs not having a, a history of being really ruthless. Yeah. I remember distinctly that game, uh, and Mark Falco played that game. Tony Galvin. Or I remember, we, we all felt that this was going to be a bit of a battle. This wasn't going to be a normal performance we're mm. gonna we're gonna dig in a little bit mm. um and the usual suspects Hanson Lawrence and all good players they mm. could play they could scrap um and it was a pretty it was a pretty good performance all round but we got the break um and um I can I can remember Mickey Hazard setting himself up to 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 to, to shoot and as it left his foot it was pretty obvious to me that uh, Grobler wasn't going to hold it Mm-hmm. Well, it was so obvious, um, and he just parried it, and I, don't, and I was already on my way. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, of, of all the goals that I've scored, there was nothing quite as sweet as scoring in front of those bastards. At the- That's lovely. Look, we're, we're kind of running out of time. We want to ask you about Espanyol and, and time back in Spain and Blackburn and all that and, and about the present time. But I know lots of people here would love to sort of quickly meet you as well before everyone goes. Looking back at your time now, which you know, was 35 years yeah, ago or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what now? And I, I know you, you do a few of these, but not that many of these yeah, kind of things. Yeah. Looking back, Stephen Garth, what, what, what does Tottenham still mean to you now all these years on? Well, I, I felt that I had um, what Tottenham means to me is not the goals that I scored there. Of course, they're very important. Um, it means to me the, the, the friendships that I made there and the connection that I made with the fans. That was that's the thing that lived with me all my life. There was a, for me, there was a special connection. When you guys sang the song when I came in earlier today, just to piss Crooksy off, I know that. <laughs> but. That, <coughs> but but that was, <laughs> but that was a really, really uh, important thing for me to hear it when we went to Wembley. I heard it. Whatever we went, I heard it, and it was special for me. It, for me, it created a bond, and, and I felt you guys from from the pitch, and um, and that's what's special. It's not the club; it's the fans, not the club. The fans are the club. I know, but not the club. The fans. That's what. That's a special thing. I will always take. And it's not. I'm not bullshitting anybody. It just is. Mm. It is what it is. And that's the special thing I have at Spurs. Garth, mm. I mean, you went on to West Brom and Charlton. But the yeah. same question to you. And obviously, went on very successful media career and PFA. But all those years on, what, what, what's this, 
do you think Tottenham still means to you? Well, I've, I've always been um, really interested in the history of the game. And um, I first saw Tottenham play in 67 when they beat Chelsea. And being all that, that white, the white the white strips, and I can even remember, if I'm wrong, if I'm right, they had a sort of a, a, a blue stripe down the side of the shorts. I mean, that was the detail. And I just, and, and, and although I was a Stoke boy and played for Stoke, I had this sort of, this, this deep feeling of wanting to play for Tottenham. And it, and it happened. It was something that was very special. For, but for me, being part of the history of that club, it's an amazing club with a fantastic history. Greaves, Gilzean, Mackay, Blanchflower, Nicholson, um, jo- Johnny White, uh, Cliff Jones, Jimmy Robertson, Frank Saul, Alfie Conn. I could go on and go on and go on mm. and go on. Archibald. <laughs> and of course... Thank you. Thank you. And, and somewhere... And, and somewhere in that, somewhere in all that, that, those galaxy of great names is Garth Crooks, and I'm very privileged and very proud. Stephen Garth, thank you so much. It's lovely to hear from both of you. I'm sure there's some stories tonight that we've certainly never heard before and, and you know thank you for all the Spurs fans yeah, for the time you gave us for now and I hope we'll get them back soon when they're both together reunited one more time it's like the old double app partners back together please show your appreciation Garth Crooks and Mr Steve Archibald thank you This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.